You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. How are you? Hanging in there, ready to talk some technoference. Always. It's a buzzword, <laughs> but it's a real thing. Yeah, it's something that I've struggled with. I think that we've we've had lots of discussions about. Yeah, I think you're a lot more patient with me around tech use than maybe I am with you. I'm a little bit more reactive. I would agree. I think that I also tend to just assume that whenever you're working on your phone or your laptop or whatever device it is, that it's urgent or it's pressing, so I'm okay with it. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, if you're on your phone, you're just ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have felt that way at times. But uh, generally speaking, I've over the years been trying to make an effort to try and find some boundaries. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about technoference because last night we hosted a session called Conversations for Couples via Good For Her, which is a local shop, sex positive, independently owned boutique in Toronto that has been, you know, providing high quality sex toys and educational materials and uh, online courses, as well as been, you know, an important support in, in the queer community here in Toronto. Uh, they're called Good For Her. Anyhow, we hosted this online session for a group of couples. And in the session, we worked through 10, actually, it was really like 12, but it was supposed to be 10 essential conversations ranging from sexual values to relational values to, you know, your feelings around sex, issues of frequency, fantasy, you'll hear me call them the three Fs, feelings, frequency, and fantasy, as well as conversations about how you spend your time. And one of the conversations, a new addition to this workshop, involved the use of technology. So I thought today you and I could work through this technology conversation or technoference conversation because we haven't done it together. It's definitely been an issue in our relationship, technology, uh, less so I would say, and you can disagree with me, in our relationship as in our lives. Like for me, it's about my own kind of mental health and where I direct my energy and where I allow my energy to drain. And I have to admit that since I've been home for these seven months because of COVID. It's eight, by the way. Oh, eight Not months. that I'm counting. <laughs> seven months and 22 days and 14 hours, yeah. 31 minutes. Uh, since since the onset of COVID, I would say that I have allowed technoference to perhaps wreak uh, more havoc on my life. I don't know if it's affecting the relationship, but we're definitely going to talk about that. I do want to try and get to a listener question or two. And before I do that, I wanted to shout out my own courses this week. So if you head on over to happiercouples.com, we have a series of courses from overcoming premature ejaculation to last longer in bed, to mindful sex, to mind-blowing oral, the clit edition and the dick edition, so the penis and the clitoris, and the mind-blowing oral is deeply discounted this week, 40% off if you use the code, the promo code, podcast. So head on over to happiercouples.com, check out Mind Blowing Oral, and use the promo code podcast 
to save. So just going to do a shameless plug today. Hey, you got to do it. I mean, it's a great time to learn a new skill. I mean, we have all this extra time at home now. I mean, here in Ontario, too, we're in lockdown number two. Yeah, it's not a real lockdown, though. No, it's not a real it, lockdown. But. Yeah, the kids are still in school. <laughs> Learn <laughs> a new skill. <laughs> you're still allowed to leave your house, so it's not so bad here. I know that certainly circumstances in other parts of the world are are a Much little worse. bit tougher. Yeah. yeah. So I'd love to chat about this topic, about being broken and ghosted, before we dive into the technoference conversation. So... I received a question from somebody who says they're a huge fan of the podcast. Thank you. Please review. (laughs) Please write a review. Uh, And they enjoy the wide range of topics we cover and the guests we have. We do have amazing guests. So this is a, a paragraph long question. So let me read it to you. I'm in an interesting predicament regarding my current relationship thing. So relationship is in quotes. Thing is in parentheses. I have been semi-casually dating a guy for the past few months. We have not put a label on the relationship, but it has been exclusive. We're both avid cyclists, and a lot of our time spent together involved cycling. Many of those adventures ended in spending the night at his place, having really great and adventurous sex, and then getting breakfast in the morning. Sounds good. Two weeks ago, he broke his foot while skateboarding and has been laid up at his house and not working. We've communicated some, and I've only seen him once since it happened, but I'm noticing more distance between us, and now we haven't talked for a few days, and I feel ghosted. I know he's in a really hard spot mentally and physically, but I feel like I'm also in an unfair situation. Because of our semi-casual dating status, I haven't really known how to help or support him. He hasn't communicated what he needs, and he's sending me very mixed signals. I would like to be an adult about this and have a discussion with him regarding the situation, but I don't want to bother him or ask for an explanation or clarity, although I do feel I sort of deserve that. I like him a lot and want things to continue, but I don't want to remain in limbo, uncertainty, and confusion. Do you have any advice? Now, this is, oh, this this email is maybe a, a week or two old, so I hope I'm not too late on this. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? I like that you throw to me first. So I'm only going to answer from the perspective of what I would do. And uh, I think in this case, I'd start by sending a note being a little bit vulnerable and just saying, you know, I I feel a little left out in the cold. (laughs) And I'm wondering, you know, I wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing. Number one, give them an opportunity and let them know that, you know, they're their health and their well-being is important to you and that if they're up for it in the future that you know you'd love to have a conversation i also think that if this was you jess and we were cycling and having breakfast which sounds great i'd probably couple that with dropping off care package or dropping something off at your door just so that you would know that in addition to this note that i've sent you that i also do care about you. And of what, course, everything. What would be in the care package? Yeah, because is, is that lots of food. Okay. Lots of food. Okay. Maybe, um, I don't know, some 
I was going to say like a DVD or something, but, <laughs> DVD, but it's, it's like, like it's not 1992. <laughs> um, booze, perhaps some wine, okay. because I feel like you might have, maybe a few flowers, some chocolates. I, I might be responsive to this care package. Well, and I mean, also the, the note that would accompany that or that would preface that wouldn't be a long winded note. It would be short and sweet where it's... What if I didn't read the note because I got into the wine and chocolate? <laughs> well, one way or the other, <laughs> I'm going to get through to you. That's the way. So that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty reasonable to me. I mean, we don't have any universal truths here and can't really tell you what to do. But I, I would say that I don't want to say you're entitled to a discussion, but I think you have every right to ask for a discussion. And I don't think you should feel badly about bothering him. Um, I think it's nice that you're considering his feelings. I think it's important that you're acknowledging that this is probably a really difficult time for him. I know that if I was in any way uh, physically limited, it would be very, very difficult for me, for people who are really physically active. Uh, every little setback can feel like loss and like grief. And in fact, Brandon, that's something you've been talking a little bit about this year. Ooh, yeah, things got real for me about a month ago because I was feeling down and limited and because I've hurt myself. And this has been an ongoing issue. And then finally, during this conversation with you, you had made reference to the idea of loss. And I think when I framed it and I looked at it from that perspective, it's like over the last number of years, when when I thought about what I used to describe what was happening, it was like, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I used to play hockey all the time, my neck injury. So it's like... I can't play hockey and then I can't, you know, I can't do, I don't know, whatever. I can't play Frisbee, ultimate Frisbee. I can't. And then eventually it got to the, and then eventually it got to the point where it's like, I can't even do any light weights. Everything that I was doing was hurting and it boiled down to a sense of loss. My movement was really tied to who I am and what I do. And I'm sure it goes even deeper than that into, you know, the aesthetics and like how I look and all that sort of stuff. But it came down to I'm losing the ability to do the things that I like to do. So that was really hard for me and a, a real eye opener. And it's temporary to some degree. I do think you'll – I mean, we were tossing the football maybe about a month ago. We had a really nice day and we were tossing the football. And you it was also up. two months ago. Was it two months <laughs> yeah, ago? Oh, no. man. Yeah. Okay, so one thing – and I, I blame it on my Jamaican side. I have zero concept of time. Like zero. I'll say, oh, the other day. And Brandon yeah, will like say. a year ago. That was two years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, to, to go back to it, I think it's important that you're acknowledging his feelings. Uh, but also, I think you have to look out for yourself. And I think, yeah, absolutely. I would ask him what's going on. I would ask how you can support him. And I think you can also ask how he's feeling about the relationship. I mean, you're not a mind reader. And you say he's sending mixed signals, but any signals can be confusing. So, you know, if possible, I do think that verbal communication and, you know, using our language skills is is one important way to go. And I, I'm not saying it's the only way to communicate, but I, I do hope you reach out and get a little bit of clarity for yourself so that you can relax and feel good about wherever you're at, whether it's in a relationship or a situationship or, you know, an entanglement or, or whatever it may be. So I wish you the best of luck. 
Did you just call it a situation ship? Yeah, I did not come up with that. Oh, because that's awesome. I don't think Brandon goes on social media. So anytime I say like a word that's trending, he's like, oh, my wife's so smart. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't go on social. It's just when I'm there, I'm skimming. I'm not diving deep. Yeah. Also, maybe everyone on your social is super old per- and doesn't thank you. use yeah. that language. Well, exactly. But I do, I do know entanglement. Although I have to say my older friends are, are more with it than me. Yeah. Some of them. So I'm, I'm like, what is that? What? I need to go Google that. Uh, so thank you for sending your question in. Encourage people to continue sending their questions in and we'll do our best to weigh in. Um, you know, always acknowledging that there is no one right way to do things. Uh, but I do look at it this way. If you were to have a conversation with this person and it was to put them off, I would suggest that maybe you aren't aligned in terms of the way you deal with relationships because if what you want to do is have a conversation and what they want to do is withdraw, that might be a challenge that you're going to have to face at some point, probably sooner rather than later. And I'm not saying that it means you're at an impasse and that you can't work together, but it certainly is, I would say, an issue around communication and compatibility that you probably are going to want to work through or find some common ground. So having said that, let's let's chat technology and technoference. And I do want to give a shout out to letsgetchecked.com before we dive into this. At home testing, you order the kit, they send it to you, you send back a sample, and you receive your results for a variety of health tests from hormones to STIs online securely. So do check them out at Let's get checked.com and please use code Dr. Jess, DR for doctor, to save a few dollars and also let them know that you heard about them here. All right, tech, tech. So we know that there is now a wealth of research, even though it's a relatively new area, on the ways in which technology positively affects relationships as well as the way technology interferes with relationships. So it's kind of looking into some of the data and there are many different studies looking at the way couples use technology to resolve fights and also the way technology leads to conflict within relationships. And I was reading this theory around the draw of the smartphone and how it's to some degree potentially evolutionary as to why we can't put down our phone. So I was reading that the draw or the pull of the smartphone is in fact connected to old modules in the brain that have historically been critical to our survival. And this has to do with the ways we connect with others, the way we respond to others, and the way we self-disclose. And having the phone at our fingertips affords us new contexts for connecting and for disclosing information about who we are and for responding to others. And so the brain is wired to do those things for survival. If you think about humans and our evolutionary history as social creatures, we've needed one another to survive. So when someone reaches out, it is our instinct to look at what they've said, to respond to what they've said. And and I think, you know, we've heard the language of compulsivity tossed around. We've seen some preliminary research about smartphones being addictive. But that aside, there is research on how it's affecting couples and relationships overall. So one study found that 62% say that tech interferes with their quality time together. 
40% say their partner gets distracted by the TV during a conversation. And I'm sure that number is shifting. I think fewer and fewer people are necessarily watching TV, but streaming. 35% said that their partner will pull out their phone if they receive a notification, even in the middle of a conversation. So 35% interrupt conversations. Uh, and I think many of us do this subconsciously. 33% say their partner checks their phone during mealtime, so when they're at the dinner or lunch or breakfast table. And 25% say that their partner actively texts other people during a conversation, during a face-to-face -face conversation. So uh, these numbers, I don't know, man, they're not surprising to me. What do you think? No, there's nothing there that surprises me. Um, I actually would have assumed that those numbers, distractions and pulling out your phone during a conversation would have been higher. I'm sure that people aren't disclosing the... Because we're liars. <laughs> I know, because people aren't, people aren't being real, man. I mean, I've noticed, I've found myself doing it. And when I've been reminded of how rude it is, I've felt embarrassed. Because I don't want, I never want the person that I'm engaging with to feel like they're 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 not interesting to me or what they're saying isn't of importance and i think it's pretty clear when somebody i mean think about things when i'm having a conversation with you in the middle of a conversation you pull out your phone and answer somebody else's text it's saying that is more important than this right and i often say that to couples with regard to leaving their phones in the bedroom i say you know if you fall asleep to your newsfeed and wake up to your emails it can send the message to your partner that whatever is on your phone is more important or alluring or interesting than the human being, the body in not just the body, but the human being <laughs> in the flesh who's sitting next to you. Now, if we were to go through this list, I, I think I might tick yes to all of them. So does technology sometimes interfere with our quality time? I would say yes. Yes. Yeah, I um, agree. And I think I might even make excuses and say, well, sometimes I have to check my phone for work or, you know, I, I'll tell you the truth is I'm always a little bit paranoid uh, with regard to my parents calling and something being wrong. Like I have difficulty not looking because I've become dependent on the phone. And if it's my dad, you know, calling, I want to, I just want to pick it up. And I'm sure parents will say the same thing about their kids. Well, I do the same thing. I'll, I'll be at, at work. And when I get a phone call from your father... I'm always quick to interrupt uh -huh. my work to answer the call because I assume that he's not calling me unless there's something wrong. Although and let's then, just go to rational thought and we know that he, like, let's be honest, he doesn't just call us when something's wrong, he calls us all the time. Yeah, no, something wrong could be that the faucet's not shutting properly or that the Wi-Fi is down. The Wi-Fi down is a big one, yeah. Uh. So let, let's not get into that. <laughs> the time you needed the, or, you know, the, the internet is broken <laughs> okay that's so, my dad that's my dad so what does technology interfere with leisure time i would say yes i don't think it consistently does but and i also think that you and i and we can talk a little bit about our journey have made a lot of changes to the way we use technology over the year um do we get distracted by the tv during a conversation i, I would say no to that because no. we don't really have the TV on. No, we haven't had cable in years. No, but even when I'm streaming Netflix on my computer, if you walk in, I just, I pause it because I know you're going to talk to me and it's not actually that the TV interferes with You did sound a the... little frustrated hang there. Hang on, hang on. The TV doesn't interfere with our conversation. Your conversation interferes, interferes with my TV. <laughs> it's like, and you know, the thing is you're not even ever watching anything that seriously. 
<laughs> no, it's like but... watching Downton Abbey the other day. I'm like, you've seen it already. But I just have it on in the background. I'm not watching it. It's just when I'm doing something else, I have it on sort of as white noise, which I'm, I'm sure somebody could tell There's me. some studies recently Problematic. About that. Oh, yeah. did you see some stuff? Yeah, it was. I read an article that just made reference to shows now that don't require any almost like you know awareness when you're watching a show because it's just like you said it's just noise mm-hmm. and there was a critic who came on it was talking about this new netflix show and they were just like it was mediocre and i couldn't wait for the next season <laughs> that's actually me with every yeah. show there's very few shows i love um now i have to say i didn't grow up watching television like i hated television as a kid because i did not like to sit still i cannot ever really remember sitting through a show as a child. I remember seeing shows because my sister would watch TV or my dad would watch TV, but I really never watched it. And now I feel as an adult that the quality of content has improved so much that there are some really kind of fabulous shows that are interesting to watch, but I generally won't sit down and watch them. I'll put them on the background while I'm packing or put them in the background while I'm doing something else. So yeah, I'm not old, but y'all now have to sit through your, you know, the videos that are interrupted for like 10 second ads that you can skip. Do you remember being a kid and like commercials would come on? It'd be like six minutes of commercials. (laughs) What the hell, man? I also remember that the commercials were louder than the shows. Yeah. They turn it up because they knew people would leave the room. I don't know if I'm making that up, but that's how I perceived it. All right. Um, so will we pull out our phone if we receive a notification, even in the middle of the conversation? I would say generally no, but definitely I've done this. And yeah. there are times where I'm, I'll tell you, I don't even realize I'm doing it. And I, I rationalize my decision where for me, I'll say, well, I, I have to. It's because of work. It's because I'm in the middle of this or the middle of that. And, you know, again, the reality is, is 99 times out of 100, that message, that call can wait for 60, 90 seconds until I'm finished the conversation Mm -hmm. with the person with whom I'm having that conversation. And so a third check their phone during mealtimes. I don't think we check, we don't have our phones at the table anymore, but I will say if we're out for dinner and you go to the bathroom, Oh, yeah. 100%. I'm just like dying to get to my phone, which is kind of pathetic. And then a quarter say they text someone else during a conversation. Um, I'm sure I've done this. I'm sure. So a quarter sounds very low. I wouldn't say I do it regularly. And so the reason, you know, we're kind of looking at some of this data is that we know that it's damaging to the relationship. We know that not only are interactions being interrupted, by technology. But, you know, research is showing that folks see technoference in the relationship as problematic. And those who report higher levels of technoference also report higher levels of conflict over technology use, lower relationship satisfaction, more depressive symptoms, and lower life satisfaction. So we have these correlations that, you know, we'd perhaps like to attenuate right, and reduce the negative effects of technoference. And, you know, I I read another study around having your cell phone on the table versus having it in your pocket versus having it in another room. And they found that, you know, the mere presence of a cell phone in the room can reduce feelings of intimacy, trust, and empathy. And so that's why last night I decided to add this discussion around technology. And I would actually say that among my clients, it's technology, time, and division of labor. 
that they tend to fight most about. So you'll hear that couples fight about sex, money, and kids. But among the people that I hear from, and again, I'm you know working with a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, that's what they fight about, how they spend their time together and apart, uh, how much time they're spending together, which we can talk about another time, the use of technology and its interference in the relationship, and then division of labor, which is you know common for busy people or people who you know maybe take on more more than we can handle. I mean, I, I see how the time element plays a huge role in all of this. But at the same time, I also don't want to discount the fact that technology can be a perk, can be a bonus to, to relationships as well. I, I mean, again, when used effectively. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking last night in another, in another part of the session, one of the questions we had the couples answer with one another was, when do you feel most loved? And I was saying that since we've been home for eight months together, <laughs> I feel really loved when you touch me, just like feeling your hand on my back or when you come and give me a hug. I don't think I've ever been so drawn to physical affection as I am in 2020. I don't think I had as much craving for it. But prior to this, back in our regular old lives, uh, I felt most loved when you called me. I love just seeing your name pop up on my screen because when I was traveling, when I was busy, I just felt like you called me all the time. You were always phoning me when you had a break or phoning me to check in. And I think to some degree it was a bit one-sided. I don't think I called you. First of all, I don't make phone calls generally. If you know Jess, you know that she does not make phone calls. I never talk, even as a teenager, didn't like talking on the phone. But at the same time, have you seen my hands? Do you know what it's like trying to text with these bear mitts? This is true. It's like ba it's two baseball gloves. easier to make a phone call. Or actually, I do voice text. You do do voice text. But yeah, so I felt really loved when you would reach out to me and technology played a really important role in that. Well, you made reference at the beginning of this conversation about how, um, you know, the importance of community and really the, um, you know, connecting online and socially can create that support network that you might not otherwise have. And especially now being isolated and being alone uh, and not having that network, having your phone can be a source of community. Um, for me, I would always check in with you because I would, number one, I'm curious. I want to know how your day is going. I'm, I want to make sure I'm alive. <laughs> I really do. It's like, I wonder where you are today. You know, find my friends. Um, but that was a way for me to check in and also just show you that I cared about you. Well, actually, that brings me to another point that I know my mom, when I was traveling, <laughs> would check my social media feeds to make sure that she You're could okay. see me. And so, uh, you know, Twitter wouldn't really help because you couldn't see me. And, you know, I do have some folks assisting with that platform. But she would look on my Insta stories when I was traveling to make sure that she saw me saying like, oh, I'm in this coffee shop now and look at this architecture and isn't this building beautiful, which apparently is the only thing I say on my Insta stories. But I know that if I, and I think it's because she didn't kind of want to bother me or always call me, but she just wanted to know that wherever I was in the world, that I was safe. So there are absolutely positive outshoots or positive outcomes from technology. So I don't want to take away from that. Having said that, what I'd like to do right now is go through this technology conversation that you can do with yourself, you do with a partner, and it entails eight questions. So maybe I'll start by reading through the eight questions and then we can talk about them just a little bit. So this is the technology conversation for couples that I think is worth 
having, you know, whether you've been together for six months or six years or 60 years, I mean, 60 years, that's an accomplishment, man. Well, I shouldn't even say that because the longevity of a relationship is not necessarily indicative of the quality of the relationship. Agreed. So I take that back. But if you're happy after 60 years, that's kind of amazing. So these questions, by the way, are not gospel. I don't have all the answers. These are just ideas to get you started, prompts to, you know, lead to new discussions, and hopefully each one leads to, you know, another, I guess, exploration or deeper insights or more meaningful connections. So here we go. How do you feel the use of tech devices affects your relationship? Be specific. And I think that if you're not in a relationship, you could change that to your lifestyle. Number two, how do you feel about electronics in the bedroom or at the dinner table or elsewhere? So do you have any feelings about specific locations? How often do you want to be connected to technology or disconnected? Number four, why do you feel drawn to your phone or device? Man, we could spend hours talking about this. (laughs) Number five, would you like to reduce or adjust your use of technology when you're together? If so, why? Number six, how do you feel when your partner is on their phone in different scenarios or environments? For example, how do you feel when they're on their phone in bed or at the table or while watching TV or in the car or at a party? Number seven, what commitments can you make to minimize or attenuate the effects of technoference? And number eight, how can you use technology to enhance your relationship? So there's, to me, there's really a lot here. And the reason I believe this conversation is so important is that most of us, many of us, just get angry in response to technology use. And we blame our partners and we accuse our partners and we don't really look inward. And I also think that, you know, oftentimes we blame technology for relationship problems when it's our behavior around technology, right? The phone is not forcing its way into our hands. Our brain is activating our hands to reach for the phone. And this friction and mindlessness and conflict is human driven. It is not technology driven, right? It's not a robot coming up to us with the phone. Not a magnet stuck between my hand and the phone. But it does feel that way. feels like that sometimes. Yeah. So really, you are in charge of how you use your phone. So you can take control and you can make changes. Uh, I do want to, at the end, talk about specific ways we can, you know, either have a digital detox or take small steps to change the way we use technology. Because so, for example, if you take your phone into the bedroom, and you, you do it every single night, and you use it as an alarm clock, and this is your norm, and you've been doing this for the last, let's say, five or 10 years, it's unlikely that you're gonna quit cold turkey, right? But there are maybe some small things you can do to work your way toward reducing perhaps the how commonly the phone is in the bedroom, or maybe moving the phone away from the bed, or not checking the phone when you get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, or to, you know, get a glass of water. So I don't know, do you want to, well, let's go through some of these questions. Uh, let's just start. And I know we've already shared a little bit. How do you feel the use of tech devices affects our relationship? I think positively and negatively. I think it adversely affects our relationship. Well, l- let's talk about my own experience, like me. It, it impacts my ability to relax, which I know is my core erotic feeling mm-hmm. for you know, getting into the mood. Um, it also is a source of anxiety 
Hmm. I feel that when I'm not near my phone or don't have access to it, I rationalize the need for it in case something happens. Um, so those are just a couple of negatives. On the positive side, lately I've been, I've downloaded a few apps, especially during this pandemic that have really helped me uh, recenter and focus on breathing, journaling, things like that. And it's also been a source of staying connected to people that I otherwise can't see. So a little positive, a little negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up anxiety because when we become dependent on a specific activity or device, it, it serves to increase our anxiety, but we think it decreases our anxiety, right? We think that, oh, if I just check the COVID numbers today, or if I just check my email, or if I just check in to make sure nobody's called, my anxiety will be assuaged when in fact, as I become more dependent on those check-ins, anxiety increases. And I know that my anxiety overall has been uh, much higher since <laughs> since March of 2020. Uh, in fact, I've, and actually, I don't think March and April and May were so bad. It's kind of gotten worse in the last few months. And I, I'm generally a pretty low anxiety person. Uh, I don't think I've ever had these more sustained levels, higher levels of anxiety. And it's, it's not debilitating for me, but uh, it is, I think, really affected by the change to my schedule. I think I talked about this recently, that moving around and being under pressure and taking risks and, you know, dealing with new people and new situations every single day and basically setting myself up with the potential to fail, which is what happens every time you get on stage, right? You might you might bomb. Or when you're booking flights with 60 minutes to spare between them. Right. So all of those things were very exciting for me. And I know they're very distressful for other people, but it has to do with, you know, I think my own condition and the way my brain uh, produces chemicals. So missing those things uh, has, it's not just made me bored it's made me anxious. And again, I'm, I'm lucky I'm still working. I'm doing it all virtually, but it's, it's just not the same. So turning to my phone during these times has been a bit of a replacement. And I, I have found myself mindlessly scrolling, um, mindlessly kind of reading but not absorbing, um, engaging in material that causes me distress, reading articles and perspectives and comments on articles that really piss me off and dedicating more of my time and energy to those things that in the past I think I didn't have time for or at least I didn't make space for so you know that's how I think that I need to set more boundaries with my phone and I do try and shut down at a certain time of night so if any of you you know anyone listening if you're one per- a person that texts me or is on messenger with me uh, you'll notice that at a certain point I just say okay I'm shutting down for the night and sometimes that's late sometimes that's earlier but we definitely we don't bring the phone into phones into the bedroom no we don't and you talked about shutting down and disconnecting and I know that that's one of the questions on this um, you know how do you you know, want to perhaps limit your use. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to me that my phone is on and I'm generally responding to emails from 8 a.m., mm-hmm. if not earlier, mm-hmm. through about 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so I'm available to people 13 hours of the day, mm-hmm. which makes it very difficult to disconnect mm-hmm. and relax and focus on other things or... And the, again, this is my experience, but the uh, <laughs> the expectation 
of other people for you to be available Mm -hmm. can add just another layer of stress. So kind of creating those boundaries is very difficult. I got a a phone call from somebody at Friday at like 10 o'clock at night. And that's not the issue. It was a work call. And the person immediately followed up. With your assistant. With was like, where's Brandon? I can't get next, in touch with him. Yeah, like like 30 minutes or 40 minutes later and was like, I can't get in touch with you. I'm like, dude, it's Friday at 11 o'clock at night. Like my phone was on for 13 hours today. I think you can wait until tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, when I responded at 730 in the morning. But it's just this expectation for people to always be available. Well, that's an, a really important piece around setting boundaries. And so I do think if folks are going to turn off their phones. So for example, if you were to turn off your phones on Sunday for four hours so that you could really be present, you might have to let other people know. So like, for example, if your parents are used to calling you, if there's somebody else, clients who are used to calling you, you may need to say, hey, I'm not going to be available during these hours. And I mean, setting boundaries is, you know, practice and self-care that I'm certainly working on. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's easier to give out the advice than to, to follow it sometimes. But what I love about these conversations as I continue to kind of look through these questions is that there is so much nuance. There is no right way and wrong way. So for us, not having phones in the bedroom, I think is kind of important and quite effective. And, you know, our our bedroom's up on the third floor, so the phones are all the way down on the second floor. And when we first started this years ago, I recall that we kept our phones over on like the top step because God forbid. I think they started at the... the, uh just at the base of the bed and then work their way to the top step. (laughs) And then they worked their way down. And now it just feels very normal uh, to leave our phones down on the first or second floor charging. And for people who do have their phones in the bedroom, sometimes, you know, with good reason, if it's an alarm clock, I would challenge you to just save up and buy an alarm clock because you do have that option. But, you know, maybe you have teenagers who are out late and you're, you're checking on them or maybe, you know, you're, you're waiting for like, like, for example, I do worry sometimes because I turn my phone off at night. I do worry about, you know, calls from the parents or something like that. But it's just something that over the years I've learned to let go of a little. And uh, but I do I was thinking about the nuance of phones at the table. So I know that when you and I eat at home, we don't have the phones at the table. Generally, depends what time we eat, right? Like sometimes, if we have sometimes we have this like late lunch at four or five p.m., and we might still be in the middle of something, and sometimes the phones are there. But I was thinking about when my friends come over and we're just sitting and chatting, that sometimes we are on our phones a little bit. Oh, I'm guilty of this. But I have to say. And people are maybe going to disagree, and, and I should actually ask my friends. Although, oh my gosh, my friends are dying to come on this podcast and drive me up the wall. <laughs> they always threaten to every time they're over here having wine. Uh, I have to say, I kind of like it. I like that we can have a conversation, but one of us can also tune out and be on our phone for a few minutes while the other two are talking. And I, I guess that's a, an important question for my friends. I'm going to ask them how they feel about that. I think you should just have them on. I think, you know what, I'm just going to record next time they come over (laughs) or when it's safe to have everybody over. I'm just going to just put the microphones down. Me and Mel don't need microphones. I'll have to turn the volume down. That's about it. Yeah. Mel and I are the two loudest people ever. (laughs) It's so funny because when the two of you are together, actually the three of you are together, I feel like I can't even get a word in. Nah, you got it. You have to hold to fight. Your, You have to hold your hand over our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there is some nuance to it, um, and I hope that I'm not making my friends feel 
unimportant or disregarded. And maybe this is just my own perspective. Maybe I'm I'm missing the mark entirely. Maybe they're like, Jess, you're the only one on your phone. We're not all on our phones. The other thing we talked about yesterday, uh, you talked about feeling loved and at ease in the mornings after you make our coffee and you're on your iPad reading the paper and I'm on my phone kind of just messing around. And you were saying just the quiet comfort of sitting across the room for one another but being on our devices is a offers a sense of comfort to you which may not resonate with everyone no i mean to some it will and to some it won't but for me it kind of reminds me a little bit and i'm not equating you or me to a dog but it's that quiet quiet comfort of having someone you love in the room with you Mm -hmm. and that's it you know when they when i first read it it was like just you know, having a dog in the room with you and sitting and quiet, knowing that they're there and knowing, you know, just the peacefulness of it. And in the morning when I make coffee, sit down, turn on some music, read the paper, and the two of us are sitting there just doing our thing on our tech devices, there's something that I really enjoy there. So in that sense, the technology is is making my life a little bit better. I mean, it's a combination of factors, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I, so I think there are different ways of looking at it. It doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule. Okay, we're never going to get through this conversation as we continue to digress. Let me skip to uh, another question. Actually, we may have sort of answered this, but why are you drawn to your phone? I'm drawn to my phone because of, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in what else is going on out there. Uh, not that this relationship isn't interesting, but sometimes it's news. It's what somebody else is up to. Um, I think, again, there's a fear that I'm going to be missing something, Mm -hmm. work or something important, which is how I rationalize it. But I think that those are the first things that come to mind. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it is curiosity, but I do think there's a degree, as I said, of anxiety for me of, you know, well, if I'm doing this, then I'm doing something. And, uh, you know, when I think about whether or not I'd like to reduce my use of technology when we're together, uh, I will say that over the last, I guess, 10 years, we've done a good job setting boundaries around technology use. We break those boundaries sometimes, but, you know, not having the phones at the table and not having the phones in the bedroom, I think, is a nice place to start. I do think... Again, this comes with some nuance. Because we're entrepreneurs, because we work for ourselves, this means that we work pretty, we work kind of every day and we work long hours, but we also have a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes in the middle of the day, if I say, let's let's go for a walk, and we go for an hour long walk, uh, you know, I might, uh, maybe this isn't fair, but I feel as though I need to check my phone. I think there's an understanding that, hey, it's 2 p.m. and we're afforded the luxury of going for a walk right now. And that does mean that if a quick press op comes in and I need to return it within the hour, then so be it. And so I don't know. I, I like the flexibility of it, but I still – I'm trying to think where I'd like to reduce the use of technology. I think what I'd like is to be scrolling on social media personally, not you, this is me, less often into the evening because I just, I don't need to see what's going on on Instagram, but somehow my fingers are drawn to it and my eyeballs. I like the idea of, I've been toying and playing with the blocking time and more importantly, just informing you know, people that want to contact me when I am and am not available. Mm-hmm. So I find that setting that autoresponder is really helpful, even at the beginning of a day where I know, for instance, that we're going to be having this discussion or that I have another meeting from 12 to 1 and 3 to 4 or whatever it is. And just during those times, sending out that 
out of office where I, I am interested in getting back to you as soon as possible, just I'm tied up right now. And it's also easy to do that after whatever, you know, whatever time you decide that you want to block the rest of the day for yourself or for your own mental well-being or your relationship or just your own personal time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, another piece here is another question revolves around commitments we can make to minimize technoference. So I thought I'd share, you know, some strategies, you know, one, as I said, is maybe reducing how often you have the phone in the bedroom. So if you're used to the phone in the bedroom, could you commit to Friday nights without the phone in the bedroom? And then maybe you would add Saturday nights. And that's what I do with clients. And we'll watch them wean off their phones. And months later, or, um, and even years later, they'll say they can't even remember what it was like to have the phone in the bedroom. The other thing that I've seen you do, because we still sometimes bring the iPad to bed to watch Netflix, is you've turned off your notifications on your iPad so your messages don't pop up. So if you are going to use the device, you know, either as white noise or maybe watching television helps you to relax before you go to sleep, or maybe you just love watching shows together, turning off those notifications can help. Uh, other strategies I've used with couples and with individuals involves having a box and putting your phone in the box for a conversation or for a meal or putting it in a drawer or putting it in a cupboard because sometimes we have every intention of keeping our phones in our pockets, but all of a sudden we find it in our right hand and we're like, what are we doing? You know, those days you're like, where's my phone? Where's my You're like, it's in your hand. You don't even realize. Yeah. And so we know that you know, going and engaging in a digital detox can be good for the relationship. It can be good for feeling more present, feeling more mindful, dedicating more quality time to your partner and falling asleep to your partner as opposed to falling asleep with your online friends, I think, uh, and, and changing it so that you own an alarm clock. We, we own this super annoying alarm clock that makes bird sounds in the morning. I like it, just so that you know. <laughs> I hate it. Well, because it doesn't, my old alarm clock was uh, like a, a, an alarm, like a bomb going off or something. So mm -hmm. I woke up startled. This one has gentle bird noises. Yeah, because you don't wake up to the bird noises. I wake up and then I and wake bells. you up. <laughs> it's nice. And it's one of those ones that changes the light so it looks sort of like a, a quick sunrise. I like it. <laughs> Until after 10 minutes, then the, the, you know, the World War III alarm goes off to make sure that you get up. Yeah, that's true. I never let it get to that. Oh, I do. Yeah. All the time. You can sleep through anything. Not me. I, I wake up like if the if the heat goes on in the house, I'm awake. If the heat goes off, I actually wake up. Yeah, it's not a joke. Yeah, I got problems. So I, I think that not only is minimizing technoference rooted in making some shifts. So I'm going to encourage you and, and ask you, what is one shift you can make to minimize the negative effects of technology uh, on your life, on your overall well-being, but also on your relationship? So I would challenge folks wherever you are to make one change within the next 24 hours. And then I think the really important part is this reflection or conversation on how you feel tech affects you, how you feel about electronics in different locations, how often you want to be connected why you feel drawn to your device. Uh, would you like to reduce the use of technology and why, of course? How do you feel about the phone in different scenarios from the bedroom to the table to watching TV to in the car to at a party? And what commitments are you going to make? And then the last piece is how can you use technology to enhance your relationship? So I think if you take these questions or prompts and use them as an opportunity to reflect and then use them as an opportunity to have really more in-depth, nuanced discussions. The 
technoference on your relationship will likely be reduced. So I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I think we could spend hours discussing these topics, and I think over over time we will. Yeah, and the course that we facilitated yesterday, even as we're doing it, which we've done before, and you formulated these courses and these questions over the last couple of decades, every time I learn something new, every time it gives me an opportunity to reflect and think and to you know, inspire new conversation with you and in this relationship, which ultimately results in me feeling better. It's just investing the time and the effort, knowing that the outcome means I'm happier not only in this relationship, but with other relationships and in work and all of these things. So, and you know what? Thank you. Well, thank you. I guess we're kind of lucky too because the podcast in, in these types of conversations serves as the carving out of time to make sure we do these things and have mm-hmm. these conversations. I think we could dive a little bit deeper and I'm sure we will yeah. today, you know, and the, the conversation doesn't have to be formal. I know we've sat down formally and had this discussion today, but I will, I imagine that some of these topics will be woven into our conversations over the next couple of days or weeks or longer. And uh, I think these are things we have to revisit as well because it's easy to slide into good habits, but also easy to slide out of habits that perhaps take a toll on the relationship. So thanks for chatting with me, babe. Thank you. And thank you, thank you to you for listening. Hope you have a lovely day, a lovely week, wherever you're at. We'll be back next week and every Friday with a whole new episode. If you like the podcast, please do share, review. We really appreciate those reviews on iTunes and elsewhere. It really makes a difference for us. And if you're interested in learning more, doing something fun and really simple and learning some new mind-blowing oral techniques that I think are really doable and practical, do check out Happier Couples and use the code podcast to save. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.